So, all right, open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to build off of where the kids just left us off because the message is succinctly put in this word, Emmanuel. I've entitled this morning, The Greatest News the World Has Ever Heard. Does anybody need some great news this morning? He just comes, I need some great news as I wrap up 2018, as I look ahead to 2019. Here's the greatest news the world has ever heard. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Underline that in your Bibles. The purpose for Christ's coming is to save. It's a rescue mission. All, that, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And the prophet we said was Isaiah, who wrote seven centuries beforehand. He said, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they're to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Christmas is about God coming to live with us. That's the core of the story, that a people who were completely in the dark, that Christ's light came in, and He came to save, and He came to rescue, and He came to heal and redeem and restore. This is great news. God has come. Jesus has come. The light of the world is here. This is great news. And it reminded me of a Monday morning several years ago. See, Monday routine in the Simpson house is Monday's my Sabbath day. And so typical Monday morning routine is Kendra would get up and around with the girls and help get them off to school, and she'd let me rest. And so I was sound asleep this Monday morning several years ago. I mean, it was one of those deep sleeps, like REM4 stage, you know? And then you feel something on your butt, like shaking your shoulder. You just feel this, right? And I hear my name, Eric, Eric. And, I, and I'm right now thinking, is this a dream or is this reality? And I hear this voice say, I hear the sound of rushing water in the basement, but there's no water coming out of the faucets. This is going on. I'm, I'm kind of deep sleep, rushing water in the basement, no water. And right now, I'm coming up out. Anybody been there where you're just coming up out of that deep sleep and your eyes just pop open? I look at, what? There's rushing water sound in the basement, but there's no water coming out of the faucets. Now, for those of you who know me well, I am not the most like mechanically inclined, like, you know, home project, home repair stuff. I call on all of you who are so good at it and you've helped me so many times. And this is one of those moments where it didn't take a lot to figure out I needed to run to the basement, right? So I run down to the basement and I open up our sump pit. And the sump pit lines, it, it was like someone had a, it's like a fire hose amount of water coming in the sump lines into the pit to the point where the pump is running nonstop and the water line's just below the top. I'm, I'm just looking at it and I was like, so I, I thought, well, there's got to be a water line break, right? How much water would be around the foundation of this house that it would be? So I'm like, I remembered when, that, when I first moved into the house, they showed me where the water shutoff was in the front yard. So I go out to the front yard and I open up the place in the front yard and I reach down to the pit and I turn off the water there and I think, well, that's at least a start, Right? And then I go back into the house and I thought, well, let me think about like where the water line comes into the house because maybe there's something that's clear there. And I climb up on the stepladder and open up the crawl space doors. And I'm staring at standing water. What's your crawl space filled with besides standing water? Does anybody have stuff in their crawl space? The Simpson family has a lot of stuff in their crawl space. 
cardboard, boxes. Well, they were boxes. Baby cribs, carpet, old carpet remnants. Anybody got that? Like old carpet and tile and pad and all the stuff you don't know what to do with in your house. It either go, right, goes to the crawl space, right? So I'm staring at this crawl space with standing water in it. And the thoughts that were going through my head that were not very pastoral. The joy of the Lord was not my strength at that moment. I was thinking about the kind of Monday morning I was envisioning having. So I said, you know what, honey, I'm going to go put on some old clothes and some water shoes, and I'm going to crawl up into the crawl space, also known as a little pond right now. And I start hauling stuff out of there and all the stuff. I mean, it's just a mess. And Kendra's there hauling it, like, up to the garage area, and I'm down there. And, you know, I bang my head on the floor joist two or three times. You scrape your knees on the, you know, random particles of whatever underneath the water. And it's just a great time, having a great time. And I get over to where the water line comes into the house. Again, I don't know a lot about plumbing or any of that stuff, but I see this water line coming into the house, and then it's just sitting, not connected to anything. Right? Hey, $20,000 Iowa State University education, I'm putting it to right now. I'm putting it to work. I'm like, that's not good. (laughs) Right, Mr. Schreier? General contractor Jeff Schreier would know in a heartbeat what to do here Seminary didn't teach you that kind of stuff, Mr. Schreier. So I'm sitting there in the middle of the water. That's not good. By now, the plumber that I had called earlier was calling back. And Kendra gets him on the phone and kind of hands the phone up to the crawl space. And I'm shouting across the crawl space. You got the phone. And I'm kind of diagnosing right through this like, what, what's going on here? And I hear the plumber on the other end say, That's not good. I hear the plumber also say, that means a lot of water came out of that pipe, Mr. and Mrs. Simpson. That water went somewhere. I shouted back, yeah, I'm sitting in it. That's what I shouted back. He said, I'll be over as soon as I can. The plumber arrives and he said, look, I, when you, on the phone, when you told me what had happened, so the pipe that came in had separated from the rest of the water main there, and I could see the clamp where they used to be attached together. I could see it. I didn't know how to, well, I didn't know how to put it back together, but I could see where it was broken apart. Here's what he said. He says, Mr. Simpson, I want to guarantee you something at the end of this project. I'm going to guarantee you that that will never occur again. I said, really? He said, no, I can't guarantee you I have other water issues going on, but I'll tell you this. What I'm about to install on that part of your pipe, the clamp I'm about to put on there, Here's what he called it. It's called the shark bite clamp. You plumbers in the room know all about this. He says, I'm going to put a shark bite clamp on that water line, and it will never break apart like that again. I guarantee it. Well, that sounded really good at that moment, right? We did, did his work. We cleaned it up. We drained out the crawl space. And that's probably been, I don't know, that's probably been seven or eight years now. That clamp's holding Church, Christmas, here's what Christmas is. Christmas is God coming into the crawl space of humanity. Christmas is God dealing with what's broken apart in the human condition. Christmas is God's shark bite clamp on sin. 
That's what Christmas is. Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. And our with us condition, when the Father sent the Son, as bad as my crawl space looked that day, it didn't look nearly like what the condition of humanity looked like when the Father said to the Son, it's time to go. It's time to go on your rescue mission. You crawl in to that manger on the outskirts of Bethlehem in all that darkness, in all that lostness, in all that brokenness, and you come to save, to heal, to rescue, to put back together what's been broken apart. That's what Christmas is, and that's the foundation for Advent joy. Emmanuel, God with us. And that's really, really great news, church. That's the greatest news the world's ever heard. And the greatest news the world's ever heard ushers us into it, leads us to this, the greatest invitation we could ever receive. So if the greatest news is Emmanuel, God with us, stay with me now, the invitation is this. We can choose to live our one and only life with Him. So Christmas is God coming to live with us so we can live our lives with Him. I call it the Emmanuel life. Emmanuel, God with us, ushers us into an invitation, and we do have to make a choice, to choose to live our life with Him. Is that not unbelievable? Does that not just take somebody's breath away this morning? You get, you get this choice. You can live your one and only life with the God who made the world and everything in it, who set the sun, the moon, and the stars in their place, that Isaiah says he has a name for every star up there, the God who's the Alpha and the Omega, the Ancient of Days, the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God says, you can choose to live your one and only life with me, in me, for me, and through me. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. That means you can, students, you can go to school with God. Students, you can take your finals with God. Some of you are like, man, I really needed God in my finals. You can go to work with God. You can build a marriage with God. You can develop a family with God. You can parent with God. You can navigate crossroad decisions with God. You can step into the face of uncertainty and change with God. You can endure the deepest and darkest of valleys with God. You can ride out on the mountaintops and the heights of joy with God. This is the invitation to the Emmanuel life. And when you come to the end of your one and only life, you can draw your last breaths. You can stare death in the face with God. Because Christmas is Emmanuel. God came to live with us. He initiated the rescue plan. We're caught in the crawl space of our brokenness and lostness and darkness for all that's broken apart. And he comes into that crawl space and he brings his light and he brings his hope. And he says, now you can live your life with me. That's Christmas. That's Advent joy. That's joy independent of circumstance that we find ourselves in this morning. Whatever circumstance we're thrust into at the end of this year, and as we look to a new year, here's where Advent joy comes. Circumstance independent joy comes. The light of the world has come to a people caught in great darkness. And we can choose. You don't have to go through whatever it is you're going through alone. You can do it with God. You can live the Emmanuel life. Many of you may recognize the name Cory Tin Boom. If you hadn't read some of Cory Tin Boom's biographies, I commend them to you. It's amazing. 
So in 1944, Corrie Ten Boom, she grew up in Holland in 1944. Her and her family were arrested by the German troops. Why? Because Corrie Ten Boom and her family were like rescuing Jews and channeling them away from Hitler's troops that were coming to take them to the concentration camp. They were saving a bunch of people. Well, the German troops figured out like who's, you know, running the, the, back, the back ops on this thing. And they come to Corrie Ten Boom's family and they circle the whole family up and they send them off. Ravensbrück Concentration Camp. That's where her and her sister Betsy ended up. Ten days after they were arrested in 1944, her father passed away. That's how brutally treated the prisoners were. So he only lasted ten days. So here's Corey Ten Boom. Here's her sister Betsy trying to do the right thing. And they end up in Ravensbrück Concentration Camp. When they end up there, the guard sends them to barrack number 28. He said to the ladies when they were walking into Barrack 28, this, this space is specced for 200 women. There are 700 of you in here. That's where you see that scene. Can you go back to that pic of the barracks there? So that, can you picture like 700 of them? But it wasn't just 700 women crammed into a setting like this. They said there were millions and millions of fleas, biting fleas that were devouring the flesh of the women. So they would spend 11 hours of their day hauling large pieces of metal from railroad cars to German factories by hand, 11 hours a day, and then they would come back at the end of that day into their evening with millions and millions of fleas. That was their existence. While the crematory ovens were fired up and the smoke was billowing and the ashes were going and it was just one segment of the concentration camp after another being escorted out for their execution day. Well, Corey and her sister Betsy decided in the midst of Barrack 28 that they were going to start getting together and have a little worship gathering in the evenings. Now, the German troops were not about this at all. So they started to have to kind of do it a little bit behind the scenes, but the group got big. They started like opening up the Bible. They had smuggled some Bibles in somehow, and they had the scriptures there, and they were reading God's word, and they were singing some hymns, and they were talking about this Emmanuel light, a light that's coming into the darkness. They were talking about Advent hope and peace and all these themes we've been discussing. Well, this, this group, it continued to grow. These ladies were in a, kind of a desperate situation, and each night they looked forward to getting together with all the fleas, and they were worshiping together. And then one day, Corey says to her sister, Betsy, Betsy, why do you think the German guards don't come in and break this up? Betsy says to her, Corey, I know why. Why? It's the fleas. She said she heard the German, German troops talking, the guards talking one day, and says, they won't go near Barrack 28 because of the fleas. So, Corey said that night they got together and they worshiped God and thanked Him for the fleas. Lord, thank You for the fleas that we can worship You and serve You and, and, and gather together in Your name freely. And so then the whole revival started breaking out in, in Barrack 28. That was like a little worship stadium there in the middle of that concentration camp because the guards didn't have anything to do with it. Well, as the days continued to roll along and the people continued to be escorted off to the crematories, and then if they didn't die that way, they were dying from just the physical hardship and the disease that was ransacking most of their bodies. Betsy passes away November 1944. It's just Corey left now of the family. 
Here's a scene out of one of the writings about her life. Prisoner 66730 was called out of her line. That was Corey Ten Boom's number. Stand at the head of the line. Other women were ordered to join Corey, and they waited for roll call to end. The wind was especially cold that day, and Corey felt her legs and feet begin to swell. She could see smoke from the cremation ovens rise above the camp. Perhaps it was her turn to die. Corey shuddered in the cold and committed herself to the Lord. Roll call continued for three hours. I read that, three hours? And Corey used that time to tell a young girl next to her about Christ. The girl listened carefully and then asked the Savior to come into her life. So as roll call ended that day, one of the guards handed Corey a number. She thought she was being escorted off to the ovens. The piece of paper said, you're supposed to report to the office. You've been released. She couldn't believe it. But she was so physically weak It took her seven days to get enough strength to kind of gather her small little personal belongings and check out of the concentration camp. Does that tell you how close to death she must have been physically? It took her seven days to get well enough to leave the concentration camp. So that day comes. She's shuffling her way out of the camp, and here's the scene that happens. A couple of gals from Barrack 28 run up to her. And here's what they say as she's heading out. She says, they say, Corey, Corey, remember that young girl that you stood beside at roll call and talked to her about Jesus? She died today. And she told me about you and the decision she made for Christ. I thought you would want to know. And then one week later, all of the women in the Ravensbrook concentration camp, Corey's age, were all executed. Corey later found out that she was released by a clerical error. In my notes, I put, also known as the hand of the sovereign Lord. Here's what she writes later in life, looking back on all that. Every experience God gives us, every person he puts into our lives, is the perfect preparation for a future only he can see. So have the worship team come back up. Here's how we're going to draw this to a close this morning. If Corey and Betsy Ten Boom can experience Christmas in Ravensbrook, Ravensbrook Barrack number 28, then whatever it is, You're journeying through in Christmas 2018. You can experience what they experienced. Because here's the greatest news they were proclaiming in the middle of Barak 28. A people caught in darkness have seen a great light. Perhaps those who lived through the 1940s in Germany in concentration camps would have the most accurate commentary on a people caught in great darkness. And then also in the midst of that, proclaiming they've seen a great light. That's Christmas. And this is really, really great news that Emmanuel God has come for us. And then like Corey and Betsy and this young lady, how about that scene? I, I just picture the reunion they must have had in glory. Um, Corey Ten Boom passed away in the 1980s. And I just picture what, what that reunion had to be like, huh? How about that young lady 
And how about Corey? And how about the worship stadium? And how about the reunion? But there was a choice, right? There was a choice they had to make because the greatest news the world's ever heard also has become the greatest invitation that we could ever receive. And that invitation is available to anyone at any time in any way. And so this morning, you you may have heard the Christmas news so many times you could have finished the sermon long ago today. But you know, at some point, Christmas has to get personal. And maybe this morning's your Barak 28 morning. Whatever crawl space realities you've got going on, maybe this morning you realize God has come into this darkness and he's brought his light. And now the invitation is, will you respond? Will you say, you know what? From this day forward, I'm going to live my one and only life with him, for him, in him, and through him. And all you have to do is simply call out and say, Jesus, save me. I believe you did come. You are Emmanuel came to save us from our sin. I found this prayer. I put it in your notes for you to keep for later reference if you like. Ted Loder was a pastor for many years. He wrote this, Oh God, let something essential happen to me. Something more than interesting or entertaining or thoughtful. Oh God, let something essential happen to me. Something awesome. Something real. Speak to my condition, Lord. And change me somewhere inside where it matters. A change that will burn and tremble and heal. Let's pray together. Oh God, let something essential happen to us this Christmas year. By the power of your Spirit, May your light come and burn away, push back the darkness. Open our eyes to see, Lord. Infuse, Lord, your hope, your love, your joy, your peace. Infuse it into us by the power of the Spirit, we pray. Open our hearts to you. Sweep us up with the wonder and awe of this time of year. The greatest news we could have ever heard you would come for us. And perhaps you're in a place this morning where you need to respond and you know it. Maybe it's been something that's been building all through Advent. You simply can say, you know what? I need to respond. I need to respond back to this news. I need to receive this invitation. You just simply call out and say, Jesus, save me. Heal me. Rescue me. Make me whole. Forgive me for my sin. I want to live my one and only life with you and in you and for you and through you. Just call out to him. That's where Christmas gets personal. And even if your everyday realities are like Barak 28, that Christmas says the light of the world can come into that. Father, lift up our eyes this morning. We worship you. Christmas is your story. You're an amazing God that you would just keep coming after us. You keep pursuing us. Thank you that you never give up on us. We 
worship you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.